Hello and welcome to the Victory Bank Business Series Podcast. This podcast will be a series of seminars recorded at the Victory Bank in Limerick, PA. The Business Series Podcast brings members of the community to learn and grow together, featuring topics to boost your personal and business performance. Our speakers are subject matter experts, bringing you knowledgeable advice in a clear, concise manner. The first part of this podcast will be the presentation from our guest speaker, then followed by a Q&A from our community audience. Thank you again for listening, and now on to our episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome into the Victory Business Series. My name is Bill. This week's presenter is Rich Laboon. Rich is a professional certified coach through the International Coaching Federation. He's an executive and organizational coach, partnering with corporate high performers to achieve a higher level of performance by helping them to think bigger, work smarter, achieve more, and lead better. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Laboon. Good morning, thank you uh, for everybody to be here. This focus of this talk is on leadership. So leadership is uh, both personal leadership and also leading others, but we also need to lead ourselves. So I came up with a concept called the head, heart, and gut. And it's kind of a great metaphor that's used but it's also there's science behind it. And when I found the science behind it, it was quite fascinating. And that only has come about in the past really five years through uh, you know research within neuroscience, and it's very fascinating. So when I linked it together, I said, wait a minute, there's something here. So it's just kind of looking at it once again as an entrepreneur, innovative, looking at things differently and then trying to you know create something unique in the marketplace because the coaching industry is very you know, like any business, it has, you have to have a niche, you have to, you know, present yourself as somebody unique. So I guess the first slide is really what is effective leadership, and I'm going to go to the, how to affect, I mean, to be a complete leader today, you, you really need somebody who is in touch, not just with their head intelligence, you know, we know about our logic, you tell all the information we have, we're an information load, great to have all the information, but there's this heart intelligence, and we all know about this, we feel it in our heart. We kind of have this, this, you know, this actual connection. I think the buzzword today is emotional intelligence. We probably all have heard that. It's like, what's my emotional connection? A lot of coaches are doing that, that connection to interacting with others and how you relate to others. You know, can we play in the, sand, you know, the same sandbox together, I always call it. And, but there's another part of it, which is that gut intelligence. And we kind of know this, is I feel it in my gut or... I sense it in my gut. We, we've heard this through all of our lives, or I feel something is not right. That, that's that inner kind of instinct, but it's also intuition. So I think it's critical as a leader, you know, when we kind of look through these three lenses, where are we at with these? I mean, how are we acting? How are, are we just a, a all heart per person? We're all emotional, we love everybody, but at the same time, do we take any action? And what I've seen through my coaching practice is somebody all of us have this. We're either skewed in one way or not the other. So when I look at how do we make somebody whole, what's the wholeness? People that are very logic, they're kind of standoffish, they don't have an openness or a heart, they can't connect with people. Uh, the others, if they're all gut, they're all out there, I think it's, I, I don't, you know. And then there's some people, they just use their gut and they take action for everything. They're just zip, zip, zip. It's like, okay, well, where's the logic? <laughs> they got to have something. So I said there has to be a balance between this. And, and to me, these are called intelligences. This is the kind of you know, technical neuroscience perspective. They are intelligences. They're kind of unique. They all have their own kind of life unto themselves. So your head, heart, and gut are independent, but they love to work together. So it's like, how do we work that together? So we go to the next slide. 
it's, it's really the evidence, as I spoke about, that we really have three brains. So kind of using that as a, a you know, play on words. You know, there is the head, the heart, and the gut brain. And through neuroscience, they found that there's neuroconnections. And we do that. There's, there's this head and body connection. Well, that's it, is that we are connected as a whole. And through neuroscience, but even the ancients talked about this. When I studied it, like in Japan or China, you know, they talk about that the, uh, you know, the soul is in the gut or, you know, this sort of I feel it. And this, every culture had it. They had it way before the technology came out. But only now in the West are we coming to realize, because we love science, and science has to prove everything that we <laughs> don't see or don't know, of course. But I'm like, yeah. And, and here's the kind of technical terms. They call it the, you know, cephalic brain, which is our head, the, you know, the heart, of course, cataract, or, you know, and then the enteric brain, which is the gut. And these are actually, you know, independent. They actually talk with each other. Um, and we feel it or we get that sense and we use language or metaphors. I feel like in my gut, I feel like something. Well, what is it? Okay, so it's kind of the idea with that. It's just kind of bringing awareness to that. So really, you know, from a head, heart, and gut as, you know, I would think from a leadership perspective, you know, once again, playing on the words of metaphors, you know, which muscle is your leadership that you lead with? Um, is it the head? Is it the heart? The guts? Anybody have a question? I mean, anybody kind of have a focus that they know, just kind of checking in? Anybody see themselves on more? How about you, Saul? Anywhere that you lead with more than another? I tend to lead probably mostly with my head. There you go. But there's usually an underlying and gut reaction mm -hmm. that will either help support my head thoughts mm -hmm. or cause me to uh, delay making a decision mm -hmm. because it interferes with my logical thinking. Mm -hmm. I always feel it depends on the information that you have because it's yeah. like if you, if you only get a little bit of it, you sometimes rush to a judgment call mm -hmm. um, or, and then when you find out, you find out more information, then you find out it's either bad or, oh, I should have went with that, that decision in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you, that the heads, the head's a great determinator when sometimes the gut will get you in trouble, so same as the heart. But if you don't have the full information, it's really tough to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? I have a tendency to do the gut because I am a hands-on learner. There you go. So I want to jump in and start doing it because that's how I start problem solving. Mm -hmm. And then I, I would think that my head probably comes afterwards because once I get into it, I like to be in the middle of it to try to figure out what the problems are and solve it as I'm going along. So I'd have to say I'm probably a gut and head guy. Can, can, I, um, can I ask the group, do you, uh, a lot of you guys, when you get decision making, do like a pros and cons list? Has that ever, do you do a pros and cons? Because I'll tell you what, I mean, I've spoken with Rich here before. I used to do pros and cons lists all the time. I'm like, okay, well, this is the good of the decision, this is the bad of the decision. And thinking about it this way has completely changed the way I go about something. Completely changed it. Yeah, so as coaching, that's what I use in my coaching is people we have a tendency to have pros and cons. And so what I work through is let's look at the and there's a series of questions, you know, asking the head, asking the gut, asking the heart, where are we at? And it's just checking in. We're very surprised how we get to make sense of things by just taking a step back and kind of weaving in these three disparate but connected areas. And because we're always so focused on in either or, 
black and white. I said, well, what's in the middle? How can we take both an and and create something you know unique? And that's what leadership is about. So it's personal leadership as much as then how do we lead others? And that's part of what this is, is how do we get an employee or somebody we're working with or even somebody we're selling with, how do I work with them? Do I come with a logical perspective? You've got to come, I think, with all three, a head, heart, and gut. So when you're selling or interacting is what Bill has been doing is what's the emotional connection has got to be there, but what's my gut or what's my kind of uh, you know, intuition? What's that kind of movement? Like you in the being in the middle? Okay, well, what's my head? And I say, well, what's my heart? There's got to be that emotional connection as much as the logical, as much as that intuitive. And those are all three intelligences with your cue. Because I worked this when I did my, my master's, when we did the research, is we tend to make decisions either or. So it's like, how do we weave in all three? And we were surprised. It's not that one is right or the other. It's just more of a checking in, getting more of a holistic perspective. Eventually, you still make logicals. So you say, does it make, because if you give the heart, you say, oh, yeah. But we all do that because we all fall in love and we say, hmm, my gut's saying that or my heart's saying that. It's just common language we use. It's funny. So anyone else? Maybe maybe Kim can agree with this. I, I think sometimes with real estate, you have to move into the position where you are being the head with or for your client because they might have an emotional attachment good, to yeah. the property yeah. or what it is that they're buying. And you kind of have to get them to see past that because they might not see things in the deal or see things in the property that they really need to know or be aware of before mm -hmm. making the decision to move forward. Very good insight, yeah. So you almost have to become what you're, right, taking it, helping them and guiding and shining the light if they're all heart or, you know, and you can say, okay, have you thought about it logically or kind of shifting that in that direction? And I've seen, absolutely, I think it's critical. And um, anyone else? We'll go on to the next one. Thank you. Uh, good, good questions. So, so they're actually muscles. Let's, let's use this as a, I love these play on words. So it's a muscle. So we, you know, can grow a muscle, right? You only grow a muscle by using the muscle, like bringing that up at the head to say, wow, now you get it. Yeah, I can help my clients. So um, let, let's look at the head a little bit. I'll go to the next section. So if we look at it, you know, many of us have been taught in school. It's all about logic. I get that. It's information, knowledge, uh, or horsepower, you know, how smart somebody is or whatever. How no, Okay. Well, that's great from that perspective. And, and it's important because we need to use and look at problems that do make just sense, that they're there. There's so much in front of us. And, and that's more what we see today is a very short-sighted, okay, go, 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 go. And it's just this constant information and we're making these quick decisions. So what I'm saying with all the complexity and all the ambiguous and all the overwhelming fast paces, we need to kind of come back and pull back a little bit. To be a leader, our self-leading ourselves, but leading others, because it just can't be all data. I mean, I have some clients, they're, they're just data-driven companies, and they're saying, wait a minute, we're getting overwhelmed with data, we can't even make a decision. So how do we make a decision? You can't even make a decision with the data. So even data can give you an intuitive or give you a feel. So a lot of this is about feel. So when you see the other two areas, the gut and the heart, these are feeling areas. It's like, how do I feel? I feel like something, or I feel something is not right. We need to tap into that feeling. I know that's kind of new for some or old for others, great, but to me it's the feeling of life is what makes us. The logic has to work both together with that. So using the head is kind of something we're very used to. The, the other factor is listening to the heart. So you know, this is another wonderful thing. Some people are more into that. We're all, we have compassion, we're caring, empathy, sympathy, uh, you know, romance, caring for others. That's been a big shift that I've seen incorporate uh, you know, this emotional intelligence, 
is kind of connecting. Um, we, we've seen more of the, I would say more of the rounding out of leaders. We're becoming more open and helping others and caring. Before it was all about business and business. And I think it has to do with a lot of factors, but maybe it's the, you know, Generation M, you know, the millennials we care. They're bringing that social weaving in that kind of, hey, we just don't want to work at a company. We, we, we want a company that is helping society. As, I don't know if it's the parents of, whatever, it's a shift and it's wonderful because it was all this drive, drive, drive. That's old. But look at the bank here. Why I like Bill, he was with, I can't name, but I coached him from transitioning from another bank to come here is because some banks are, even banks you would think are in the community, just don't get it. I mean, it's about caring with others. You've got to have that real people dealing with real people. So I, I would say looking at this is kind of, you know, if nobody has a sort of heart for anything, even for themselves, they're kind of flatlined. To me, it's like, it's a play on words, love it. Like, who are they? They're nobody, right? Um, I would say another big piece that I see a lot with this in coaching is heart is self-compassion. So one thing that we mostly miss as humans because it's that self, what's my self-compassion for me? How do I care about myself? That's that self-care, self-compassion. I think it's a, that's one thing you know, we, we talk, it's a big miss by a lot of people uh, with that. Any questions on the heart area? This is fascinating. I don't get too many with that, but I'm just curious. Anybody? Sense that or get that? I just want to say, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Often it's conflictive with a self-compassion because in order to be a leader, we tend to be hard on ourselves, I believe. Ah, yeah. And we're also, I expect more so from others because I expect the most from myself. That's right. So, again, self-compassion. Oh, I beat yeah. myself up for you? Yeah, sure. absolutely. I yeah, so I do try to not do that so I would drink my own Kool-Aid. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say that I feel like I lead more with my heart with the first three because my yeah. role in, in business development from the credit union um, it is probably different from Warren's where I, um, I, or a little bit, I get out, I um, do a lot of volunteering, okay. do a lot of community stuff, involved with the chambers, uh, lunch and learns, membership drives, budget, financial literacy, and things like that, so... That's why every time somebody asks me to do something, it's hard to say no because it's like, I want to help them. And can you mm. do this tonight, you know, or next, you know, so it's constantly. So that's so your strong muscle. That's your. That, I know. It that, is. That's and I don't what? know if that's always a good thing because people say, you got to say no sometimes. It's just. Hmm. Well, if I was coaching with you, I would say, hmm, probably not. No. But okay. that's what you're natural. So maybe, and that's what we, as we go, is the, the kind of balancing I call it more harmony. It's never really balanced. It's a harmony. It's like a song. It goes, it always ebbs and flows. Life ebbs and flows. So for me, it's like, what's balance? We hear work-life balance. I don't think it exists. I think you capture for a snapshot like a balance sheet and it moves again. It's like, okay, got that. Thank you. Okay, move on. So it's like a song. It's harmony. But yeah, yeah. Because uh, some people I've coached that lead with the heart, they're great with, but then they, it's that, the head, they just, they just can't make them. They're just always in a, kind of led and but they're great I mean it's just so I wouldn't lose it it's just a muscle that you're you great. really focus with and you lead with right yeah yeah so, anyone else Warren what about you brother yeah no I think it's just it's important to understand where where you are in the spectrum so no. where you grab gravitate to yeah good insight so yeah. I know for myself that I was I'd be kind of with my heart and empathy mm -hmm. first and foremost but so my adapted style here at the bank is to be a decision maker, yep. be more efficient that yep. way. Yep. So it's it's 
kind of owning yourself and knowing where your strengths and weaknesses lie. Mm-hmm. That's, I want to, if I can interject there, that's what my research was, how to, to make decisions, not just a pro and con, but what the research came out was we took 21 individuals and just kind of an open, where, where do you think, it was male, female, and it was across the age of 28 to 62, and do you think females lead with the heart or the gut first, or the head, I need just curious, anybody surveying? Heart, I would say, really think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was it was about an eight percent difference. Males went to the head first, but they all went to the gut, and it was only one percent difference. So what I'm saying is, we do it naturally, but I think we're either programmed or stereotyped to play in a certain role. Like if you're a male, this is what you got. It's like really. I mean, seriously, it's like it's, but it's so there. <laughs> And that's what we're seeing. And so with the research I used, I said, how can I use a model that can help people make decisions? So when I do it, I speak to my, I said, gut, what are you telling me? I know it's kind of weird, but I was like, my head, what, what am I not seeing? What's missing? I'm giving you kind of this kind of model, and I can send it down. I didn't even think about the model, but I'll send it kind of, it's fascinating. And I say, well, gut, what's going on? Is there something I'm not seeing? So this is interplay, this inner kind of working with myself so that I can pick up a decision, but eventually I have to make a decision. And sometimes you don't have all the information, but my gut will give me that. It's like, okay, I'm going with it. I may not see it. My, my you know, metaphor there is we, we see a tree, we don't see wind, but we see the influence of wind. The leaves move, we hear the leaves, and we feel the leaves. That to me is what intuition, that's the whole essence of this. Is it's great to have the logic and the data, but sometimes data lies. And I think the world we live in now, the more information, we don't know what's real news, fake news, who's news, it's whatever. It's just, okay, great, but what's my, and I think that's where banks used to be, is what, it's that relationship, but it's also that gut, like, yeah, I believe them. Like the PESCO, I mean, they believed in you. You had to show them certain, but you believed in yourself, and you went, and here I am, I'm moving forward. So. To me, there's that head, heart, and gut. So, and I want to go on to the guts. That's the next phase. This is just to do it. Steal from Nike, right? <laughs> so I play on that. So it's time, you know, this is time to finish what I say there. It's time, it's time to finish weighing the pros and cons and to stop gathering more data. This is where you're at this point. You've got data. You may have a little bit of data. You may have no data. Uh, there are some startups, me as a startup, uh, as a serial there were times we had no idea. I had nothing. Where am I going to go? I said, well, what do we got now? And it was just we stepped into the middle and say, what's our gut? What do we not see? And sometimes the gut will give you information. Now, there's also a theory um, that there's a collective unconscious. There's a guy named Carl Jung, and have you heard of Jung theory? And it's sort of like we're tapping into this collective unconscious. There's a universal all of us across the world, we're human beings, we're interconnected, and there's sort of this collective unconscious that we're tapping into, and they've proven it through. It's like, how could somebody in Indonesia know something of somebody all the way in Africa? I mean, it's just this connection as human beings. So there's this sort of connection. Some people call it spirit, whatever. It's something there that we don't see. But then we have our own sort of, you know, gut connection to ourselves, our experiences, our lives. But then I've also seen it with groups. There's sort of this intuitive, when you get a group of people, like a group dynamic, you've probably seen it where you start to think the same, like, oh, I, oh yeah, I thought, and there's sort of this kind of moving together. So we have this 
uh, sort of at that kind of uh, neuroscience, and they prove through neuroscience, like us talking here, things are, things are happening, we're not seeing. We're checking, information is being exchanged, body, language, everything, it's fascinating stuff. Um, so really it's time to shift from the pros and cons. Pros and cons are great, but to me we need a more holistic approach. That's kind of what my coaching model re really focuses. So it, it's about listening to what our intuition, listening to the gut. The gut speaks to us. If it is a brain, it speaks to us, just like the heart. The brain, the physical brain, is connecting through neuroconnections and is giving impulses, and that somatic feeling or that sense is real. It's real. It's fascinating to, to, that we're talking about it. But here we are, 21st century. We love technology, <coughs> so let's use it. Um, I, I think the most fascinating piece here is that a time, it, it's a time that you need to be courageous when you don't have all the information, but I think it's also being courageous when you have all the information, because that scares me. When all, when you've been in, when a client, oh, that's a perfect client. No, nothing's perfect. I mean, I, nothing is. Not to be, you know, or that's a perfect deal. There's no perfect deal. I mean, it looks on paper, but what's the gut? And you'd be surprised that something's not right. We've all done that. It's like, uh, you, as a mechanic, you've been working on cars for years. Think of it. You say, where do I, hmm, what about this? You, you probably do it. You're like, oh, never, yeah, let me go down this aisle. Well, look how many times it's like it. 80% of a chance it's this maybe fuse or wire or something and you've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times and you you go back to what you remember what you know and next thing you know it's not it then you get flustered mm -hmm. and then you're going back to you're going back going to square one going through the diagnostics and sometimes that doesn't even work and then you end up finding out it was something totally different let's say it was an alternator just screwing with all the patterns because that computer's picking up something else that you didn't see before and 80% of the time it's that dumb wire you're and it gets you it gets you flustered um, and you go from what you think you know from your gut and then all of a sudden you go in, in into your head going back and then all of a sudden it's like you're not finding it you're like your heart you're you're upset Mm -hmm. You're trying trying to find out what's going on. So your deci your decision making is all over the place. All over the place. And, and but once you find it, oh geez, you know it's like all this instant relief. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're right. I think Dave, what you're saying is, with experience, you get courage to use your gut. Mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly know when James and I first started our business, everything was numbers on paper. It yeah. was all you know, information that we use to make our decision. And now that we've been business owners, we use our experience and we feel more comfortable using mm -hmm. our guts mm -hmm. because we've had some of those life experiences. And, and you, you know, being in your business, as long as you have, you get to the point where maybe 10 years ago, you didn't have the confidence, right. you know, but now you've had the experience so you can use your gut more often. Yeah, when you're going from a, actually working on the cars and wrenching all day and then you're, and you get a little bit of this as a decision maker as a business, and then getting, then having all the power as a decision maker, dealing with the customers that can change your emotions because uh, of their situation, and you're trying to make the car run the best you can within a limited amount of time and money so it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt them. Yes, I can fix it for $1,000. Well, you don't have $1,000, I want to get back on the road 
for yeah. as cheap as possible, but I want it to make it last, and I don't. I want to do it right for you. So oh, yeah. you're you're up and down. You're up and down. If I can interject, uh, you said something very key because you led with your head. You had to do the numbers, and there's this is not to me. This is like it. You use it as you need it because we see somebody when somebody overemphasizes a certain brain for everything. That's wrong. There are periods where you need to be head driven. You have to be. Other times you have to be gut driven. And so that kind of say, what's going to lead? And that's each of these are leaders within <coughs> themselves. So as you're leading, you have to say, hmm, how do I use these? It's like a toolbox. How do I use these tools in my toolbox? Like, well, how do I bring these out? So I'm constantly moving. Like right now, where am I at? I'm, I'm more open with my heart. I'm listening, you know, this is all, because to me, I know this stuff. Or for me, it's bringing everybody and loving and open and sharing and the interaction love that um, when I go away it's going to be head it's like how did I do it let me reflect what did I learn what to do next time so now do, do you find like uh, I think I was talking to you earlier um, when you're looking at it through your head and fi financials and everything if you go by that you almost like hit a wall and until to get over that wall you really have to uh, use your heart or gut to, uh, to step over that block, that wall, to, to move ahead. And I think that's where sometimes uh, I know I, myself is, when do you make that leap going through your decision making? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I, I'll give you a, so I'm an ex-accountant, so many years ago, that's why I never, uh, yeah, it was all numbers. So I know, yeah, the numbers, and I said, you know what, I, was always, I would always say, well, what's in the middle of the numbers? Just a, just a knife. There's always something. What's where's the gap? There's always gaps. There's always space. So I say, what's the space telling me? So it's kind of looking at it differently, taking a step back, saying, what's the space? There's always space. There's always so the numbers. Numbers are numbers. They inform us. They give us a construct or a base. But it's like, well, numbers. You can use the same numbers and look at it completely. I, you and I could look at it completely and say, no, I see something a little bit different here and I say well mm, if I look at that what if my gut's saying well what if I do this and that so I'm saying is we have the same numbers and we can piece it together or look at it differently I look at the gaps I look at it from a different view because it's true I zoom in zoom out uh, when I coach I'm coaching two entrepreneurs now they have to look at numbers because they have investors when I had investors we had to have we were driven with numbers you had a boom boom when your real estate deal you it's okay here's what I have to work with Okay, I, I mean, I love those shows, right? It's like, you know, that's what I have to work on. You're trying to like, it's amazing, right? Yeah. It shows. It shows. It shows, yeah. right? It, it's fake, no. It's fake. It is. It's right. fake. It has to be. I, I could, most not, of it's all. It's staged. It's it has to be. Right. Yeah. They take, they so take, they take, you know, a, a typical transaction or deal takes uh, 30 to 45 days. Yeah. And they're boiling that down into a half, so, not even a half an hour, not even, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. I was right? say, yeah. So you're only seeing what runs absolutely perfect the slice yeah yes. yeah it's just a little slice of life yeah but back to say numbers and I, I and I think when, I, when especially for my dissertation now that I'm working on I'm not saying we need to get rid of rational analysis we need rational analysis what I'm saying is I'm arguing is we need to bring back intuitive analysis that has been lost what I call also heart analysis we need to bring back the full self we are full self beings so for us to say, well, no, and if you work for a company, and I've seen this now with millennials, they won't work for a company that's all driven by numbers. Uh, they won't. They, they, uh, some will, as, as a whole. As, there's always be the percentage that says, oh, I'm going to make the money now, gobble it up. That's great. 
We all need to make a profit. If you're in business without a profit, you're not in business. I'm sorry, Rebbe's. I mean, it's just the way. This is just life. So you could be all hard and social, and everybody love everybody. Well, that's a piece of that. You could do that, but when you are in business or are leading others, you've got to give them the option. Because if somebody is all heart in the organization, use that skill, leverage it, but at the same time, work with them to bring that head and the gut together so they can be a full person. So that's kind of what it is. And that's where I go to the last on this, is the gut helps us to pull the trigger for action. That's our instinct. 5,000 years ago, if uh, there was a lion, we'd either fight or flight. We do it now, but we don't have lions chasing us. We have different people chasing us, different things. Business is chasing, deals that don't close, people, relationships, uh, the world, you know, everything. So let's talk about now tips for developing. How do we develop these things? This, I think, is fascinating. Kind of come up, and I would love to have others input what they think. I would say the first, if you favor this muscle, this is the head. This is people that are very logical, um, very driven. I remember when I was an accountant, I just couldn't deal with it. I knew I wasn't going to be an accountant forever. That's why I left. Um, it was just so head-driven. But I love the numbers. I, I, to me, I think it's wonderful. I mean, I, you know, if you don't have them. So I would say if you're going to do this, if you're very head-driven, I would say attend seminars that you can kind of tap into that emotional intelligence. I think you guys did a coaching thing here where somebody came in and did you know, the EQ thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies are bringing this in to kind of train people on that. Um, I do that as part of my, you know, personal development, read things. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube, personal inspiration, that kind of thing. We all need that. Rich, can I ask a question? Uh, you know, you hear the word emotional intelligence. Can you kind of give just a brief definition oh, that's sure. of, of what that is? So emotional intelligence is... The ability to interact with others. Uh, I call it playing in the sandbox together, right? I mean, it's like in the old, it's like, you know, here's my turf. You're not going to step on me. It's all about me. And what we've seen is this transformation um, with a more softening, a more openness. And the companies that are able to do that, and they're using this as a way to really, what I honestly think it is, and it's, it's very good to see it, is to take that male-dominant, driven, charge ahead at any cost and more soften it out. You gotta soften it out, you gotta bring people, because you have a more diverse workforce, you have different ages, you have different from you know millennials to baby boomers, and how do we interact? And so it's that ability to interact together, but interact in a way that we may agree to disagree, but I still like you and we have to work together. Because if you don't, you, you gotta work together. This is the, this is the, we're all in the same boat. If we don't work together, and the companies that are doing this, and as I coach, I'm surprised. I would say one individual, he was so, I mean, he's, he's a Wall Street guy, loves, he's all business. And you know what? He has changed in the past year because he realizes, wait a minute, maybe I am an idiot. I mean, it's like, that's the first friend. Oh, the light bulb went on. I'm not saying it, you're saying it. I did mine 10 years ago, so here's mine. I'm with you, brother. Okay, yeah. So we all go through it, but it's, it's the epiphany. It's the epiphany. Yeah, yeah the, when you look at the, the workforce through the past century mm-hmm. on how it's transpired, um, you've got factory workers who went to work. Yeah. They punched a clock. They did the same thing. They did what they were told. Then you fast forward into probably the 50s and the 60s, and people went to work. Whatever your boss said, you did it, mm-hmm. and you went home. 
In today's work environment, it's far different. People want to be collaborative. Yeah. They want to they want to share their ideas. They want to be part of something. You can't just be a boss yeah. and tell people what to do. You have to ask them. You have to reward them. You have to recognize them. And it, it's changed vastly. Critically, from the old factory that's days. and that's the head. That's why this. That's, yeah. that's why this came out. Yeah. If I saw that pain, and I saw it in our startups, is that. The last startup, there was a there was a young man. He was about maybe we had brought him on as a manager, and and the two founders just rejected that. And I I, I just had and I said you know what? And I actually came because my son's thirteen. I said you know what? This is the next generation. That's what the beginning of the change. And I said we're going to give him. And I brought him into meetings, and they're like what? And then I w- I wouldn't say. And I think I said so. What do you think? And they were like and some you know. Wasn't every time, but one out of ten, he came up with an idea that literally pivoted the company. Pivoted because he was the next generation. He saw things we weren't seeing. Mm-hmm. I was too close. So if I was all head, he's life doesn't make. My heart was open, and my gut said go for it. But I'm, you know what I'm saying so. I'm using this. I'm pro- so I've been testing this model, and I for my own pain. My whatever. So okay. Back in the '80s when we started the business, uh, there were maybe three three uh, garages in the area and and we we knew uh, most of the garages in the area and everybody it was all competition mm-hmm. everybody won their slice of pie no one really worked together mm. now we have probably eight independents in the in a two mile area plus uh, the commercial stores and then next uh, next thing you know we start going to these groups and getting to know our neighbors and we're even though we specialize in a certain thing that a lot of the ones don't, we, uh, what like you said before, it's like you can pick out the, the the garages that play nice with each other, and we all exchange ideas and uh, decisions. And with the competition today, uh, there there's enough there's enough business out there for everybody. But the thing too is if you are if you're slandering this group or if you're not working yes. well with this one. It defeats you quicker than anything. It defeats, Saul says something very key, it's collaborative. That's the word. This is where the shift is that word, and I use it, but here's where I, I've seen it, um, is with, you brought up something very key, is there, there was a competitor that we had in our in my last business, and I met him at an event, and I woke up and said, shook his hand. I said, how you doing? I said, I know you. I said, oh, yeah. It's, I heard, finally get to meet, and I said, hey, great to... And I said something, he said, no, I'm just, I'm just all business. And I shook his hand, I said, but the tent's big enough for all of us. And he looked at me, he said, no, it's not. Oh. Right, so I knew, oh, we're gonna head guy, right? And I, I didn't know what I was back then, but I'm, and so I met him maybe six months later again, and, I, and he looked, and, but my gut said, you know, this is, let's, we want it for everybody, right? And as time went on, we became very good friends, even though, and he actually began to say, I love your one product, it's great and all this. And we be and literally then he sold his business and then I eventually got out of, and then we would still talk and because he realized that it's not all but that's the way he was trained it's the way he thought he had to be, and and it worked for a while it doesn't work anymore, we're 21st century this is it I think it was here before I think it's only coming back again everything recycles and I think we're living that now and I think it's great to see it back not that I remember it but here we are with it so fascinating. Um, so on this is it back in emotional time. I call my, my kind of fine with that is being able to play in the sandbox and really caring about it. Really, that leaders understand it's not just dictating, long gone, long over. Now there's a time to do that, right? 
I mean, that's the thing. When I'm, I have a son, it's like time to be strong. That's where the gut comes in, taking action. Some people are just, oh, everybody, I'm a servant leader, and I just want everybody to, it doesn't work like that. you got to know when to pull the trigger. So it's just something. Um, I, and Well, there's that word. Oh, thank you, Saul. Collaborate with individuals. I wrote it down, but didn't read it, right? <laughs> right? Through making a decision, yeah. So um, tips for the heart. So the, the heart muscle, as we know from the physical, is to develop this muscle. Ask yourself regularly what you really want. What's frustrating you or stressing you out? So this is about that kind of self-talk, that self-inward kind of check with yourself. Uh, this is to learn to articulate these things to a trusted friend, a colleague, or a coach who can help you integrate emotions and desires uh, you know, within your decision making. We, we see a lot of this where people are so emotional. Everything's a roller coaster. There's a time to be emotional. There's a time to have that. But you've got to take a step back from that and say, let's get this logically here. Or what's my gut? And, and I coach some people, they're just so emotional. That's okay to be emotional, but everything is through that lens. Everything is looking through that frame. If that's all you do, you're missing the two other you're the two other lenses that are so important. This kind of more well-rounded. So what what kind of you know person is that? Anybody see that kind of person? Anybody know? Anybody be honest? I would say this was me probably uh, in 2007, 2008, <laughs> when I had one business on when when the market was going crazy. I mean, I'm like uh, okay. Everything was like a basket case, uh, you know, then you get into everything. You, you think you can drink it away, whatever way, sleep it away. It doesn't, you know, you got to face it. Resonate? Anybody? No? That's a tough one. <laughs> so this is the emotional self-awareness. So this is where the, where the key is. And this ties into emotional intelligence, what we call, I call it more social intelligence. Being able to interact, not just socially because you're a social butterfly, but because you really are sincerely interested in the other person. Your interest is their interest. You want to help them and better them because you want them to better you. And I think as a leader, that is so critical that if you don't develop your team, employees, they're the front lines. I mean, that's the customer. They're interacting. And, and you know, we may work 80, 90 hours a week, but to me, they're on the front lines, and how are you doing? It's that questioning, how, how is it going on? How are you doing? What can I help you with? That's that collaborative, that's that sincerity, that's the emotional intelligence. It's really sincerely reaching out across. Because we all have issues, everybody's carrying some stone in their shoe. I know I got two right now, but I'm, I'm working them, I'm working them, so that's kind of with that. So this is really what, what, what I call is the, I think honestly, the heart is the most key right now in, in the workplace we're in because of the, of the amount of stress and angst and complexity, the heart is really where we need to, to tap. And I think it's just my, maybe because I've had to develop it more, so I think it's kind of my, it's my own language. So, um, so let's talk about tips for developing the, uh, oh, thank you, Bill, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keeping the presentation Keeping. moving. Um, this one is unique for me because it's, I found this more in my own natural instinct just because of, it's just me. So I would say leverage your, you know, determination to focus, to step up courageously into the head and the heart realms by pausing. So this is where some people are so driven by that action to just act, act, act. So you got to pause to take a step back. This is like a self, almost like you're visualizing, let me take a step back. What is my head and my heart saying? And this is where it is. Because some people are so gut driven, gut, gut. 
if the gut is your go-to, like it's mine, I've had to really work with the head and the heart. Just kind of, I know that. It's just my own. And I would say to develop the gut is to learn to discern and trust your inner feeling. That's a big word now. It's, 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 it is feeling. It's a feeling. You may hear that sense, but what's that feeling? And we get that feeling inside. And, and this is for me also is people that are perfectionists, I got to have it 100% right. I learned that through, through startups. There's never such, there's a, I even said it earlier, there's no perfect deal. Not that it's negative. I don't look, I don't, I'm non-judgmental. I want it to be a good deal. I want, but every deal, I say, how close can we get it? Is it 95%, 90%? And if it's only 90%, what's the downside? If it fails, where, who's it going to impact? And that, to me, is the um, uh, heart or the head, like logically, if it fails, who does it hurt? Warren and I were talking is you, you focus on a very sweet spot of managing that risk. Well, that's logical. But when you get in that, there are probably people that you say, eh, they're close. I, I think they have potential. Let's, let's go with it. But there's still a formula you're using. Same thing with the house. When you're looking, you just say, not, you can't take everybody. I mean, you want to. That's the heart of you. But it's got to make logical sense. It's got to be intuitive. And that, to me, is that somebody who's a perfectionist doesn't need to be 100%. You get close enough, you're close enough. But I always say, what's the downside? <laughs> what's the impact? Okay, who can it hurt? Is it going to hurt me? But you still have to take that, uh, that, that movement, that next step, and say, just do it. So, go ahead. I, I, along those lines, I think, you know, as a small business owner, we, we make some decisions that we don't have all the data for, and does our experience make us feel courageous enough to go with our gut, and, and always, it's what's the worst case scenario? You know, do I have enough money to lose in this advertising yeah. campaign? Um, is it, you know, and I think as entrepreneurs, you always have to have a certain amount of that comfort level to, to take a risk yeah, that's or right. you wouldn't be an entrepreneur. That's right. You know, you'd work for somebody mm -hmm. else. So you have to be comfortable taking those risks, but you just make some educated. And I, again, I think as we go on and we become mature as entrepreneurs, we feel a little bit more comfortable using that gut versus the head. No, I think it's, yeah, it's okay. Well, so, yeah, how, how, when do you play safe and when do you take that risk? Is it, there's sometimes it's a, you, it's almost 60% it's, it's going to fail. That 40% is like moving you on and you have a good feeling, you gather the information. If it, if it succeeds, you win. It, but there's a great uh, chance that it's you're always not. always a great, I can add to that. It's funny you mentioned, I don't play gamble, but I always use this, I've used it for years when we had a, is this, it's blackjack. It's, uh, I get a nine and a ten from the dealer. I'm I'm doubling down. I'm looking for twenty one. It's fifty fifty. Yeah. That's a fifty. If I could bat five hundred, and I'd be a. It's fifty fifty either way. I I boiled it down that every decision is fifty fifty, even with the data. It's sixty forty. It, to me, it's fifty fifty. It's like what I do it, but I say out that fifty. If it doesn't go, what's going to be the downside? And I had to learn that. It's like, you know, first business many years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, just... And I'm like, yeah, no wonder that failed. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But you still have to try. You still... But to me, it's 50-50. Every client you get is 50 I mean, we don't know. And I don't... And I become non-judgmental. I don't say, well, I... Well, it's been like this before. So we've seen it... Well, it may not be exactly like before, but it's similar. And so sometimes we become... The gut takes over and says, oh, that's... No, I said, well, no, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, something's not right here. The heart's saying, go with it, because this is the right thing. 
my values are saying yes. My guts may not see it, but my value, so whatever I value is strong. And values change over time, right? Values change. We change, and they, to me, they should be changing for the better. Like right now, I see my son who's 13, I see things differently than I did before. <laughs> I mean, like, like, oh, now I better, oh, that's what that means. So you're kind of, you know, giving back and understanding, and it, it just comes with age, and it comes with maturity, and it comes with change. Uh, with that, so good, good question. I think it's well, that's my own opinion. If it's, if, if it's only you, it, you're you're more likely to jump into it. Yeah. Then you add another person. Oh, it's another then, dynamic. Another dynamic. And then when children comes in, oh God, you're like you get you're you safe. When they get older, then you kind of fall back. But well, it's also with teams. Team dynamics is you get two or three people. Great. You start adding more. Now you have multiple teams. And what I'm focusing here is the leader. The leader of the team has to use a head, heart, and gut approach for themselves, but also to nurture that in their employees, their team. That to me is critical. The word that keeps coming back to me is control. You have to know, it seems to me, within yourself or within your team, whatever, when to, when you need to take control yes. and be more of that that head guy. Yep. I've looked at the data. I, yep. I have a feeling about what the consequences are going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> and then to let that go yeah. and and either allow your your client to start making some decisions start doing some things or your your employees and then you'll it's not going to be perfect right mm -hmm. but giving up that control and knowing that it's not going to be and then we'll deal with whatever comes up along the way there's going to be there's yeah. going to be because we know it's not perfect something's going to happen that we didn't predict mm -hmm. or didn't count on mm -hmm. And we then then we'll come back and take control over it by looking at what the next decision or the next group of decisions. That's a great are. way to look at it, absolutely. And I think taking from a real estate is you have a client is like you said you have to be head sometimes is what well, I would ask people as like a business owner I'm working with is if, so what's your gut saying? I actually ask that question. What's your gut saying? Like, well, I don't know. So let's look at it. Well, what's it? And I would say then we go and say you know what's your heart. What's, what's your heart telling? I mean, what are you feeling? What's a, and it, what I'm bringing is I'm bringing a light to that. But eventually, somebody's got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. You're right. So what I'm saying as an entrepreneur, I've learned is get as much information from everybody. Even that 22-year-old guy, I was like, okay, give me something. He was an outlier. It's an outlier on a bell curve. But that outlier sometimes makes sense. So what I'm saying is I'm just sifting and getting that. So when I look through the head, heart, and gut, I'm asking myself what I'm thinking, but I'm also asking the other person. So if you have a real estate client and they're very emotional and this is a big thing and housing is a buying house, say, well, you know, what's your head saying? Or if you look at this logically, so I actually, you know, maybe use it as kind of, or if you could look at this and you had everything, what's your heart saying? Oh, well, we want this and that. Or, or but so if we got that, would you take the action with your gut? So it's kind of using it, play around with it. Maybe we could talk. I'd love to see how real estate kind of, because that's an emotional thing, right? Buying a house, getting married, having a kid. There's only so many things that are, not buying a car, maybe working at a bank. No. <laughs> <laughs> but great, great, great insight. There is a time to control and, and not to control. But I yeah. think, and, and people have to be aware. I think the, the fact that think everything's not perfect, yes. but you have to find out what level of risk someone's willing to take. So, so for instance, if we bring it back to the real estate world, a, a house that has some problems, there's a certain buyer for that. Yes. If, if that house has the right location, if it's checked off enough of their boxes, yes. they're willing to tackle some of the, or maybe more issues mm -hmm. than another buyer that comes in that either can or won't 
take on the challenges that that house brings. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think you have to be able to read people, yes. but also it's it's knowing when you have the right the right buyer for the right property mm-hmm. and um, what they're willing to be able to tackle. And, and again, I, it, what I just keep saying is it's back to the control issue. That buyer then has a feeling, well, I can control, I can control that. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have some influence mm-hmm. over how much I can fix, how much I can repair, how many mm-hmm. challenges I can take on within a certain deal. Yeah, I look. We, we in coaching we call it co-creative. So you're almost coming align aligning with somebody, co co-working with them, and kind of you're both kind of using your head, heart, and gut. But there's that sort of co-creating. So that you're giving them a vision, finding out what they are really, what they're, you're tapping into them and, by, and kind of leading. Because if they're all heart, you may say, well, what, what's your gut saying? And, you, every, you know, whoever the people are, there's always somebody more skewed to the other and everything else. You know, in any family, any business, any group, you have, because everybody's independent. We're different people. How do we join that? How do we collaborate that? How do we gel that? We want the differences. We, we, we appreciate But how do we get a commonality? In life, but good question. Well, the entire time as we're talking about this, it makes me think of the disc assessment. Yeah, um, very similar. Honestly, yeah. so basically, I started off over here next door, Keller Williams. Well, I was here five, six years ago. I didn't start off there. But would they very much focus on utilizing the disc assessment to determine personalities? And mm-hmm. the bottom line is, I take my leadership with my family. It doesn't matter what we do. Um, my leadership is with my family, my community, my business. Um, and the disc assessment essentially teaches you who you are as a person. DISC meaning uh, dominance, influence, steadiness, and uh, the C, the C, the C. Compliance. Thank you, compliance. Um, And that basically, you take this test and you can find it online. Um, You can find it for free and there's different levels that you can spend and it teaches you who you are as a person and how you can interact with others according to what their DISC assessment is. You don't need to do it with every single person though. You sit back and you get a vibe for a person and I think it shows you how you need to interact with them, whether you're using your heart, your head, or your gut so much. And really, I mean, that, that to me, since I've learned that technique, that assessment, I use it throughout life. And yeah. it totally influences all three of these things. Yeah, and they all come together. They do. And that's where all the assessments, and when I studied all the assessments, they all draw. And when I came out of that, they're all drawing from this. There's a baseline. Absolutely. We have a head, heart, and gut. We have a mind, body, spirit. We are it. We're it. And these assessments take a piece, and, a, and they're beautiful. And there's some that just go really, and emotional. Tell, I mean, it's just amazing, but the disc is very popular. And it gives, you an, it gives you a snapshot. What we found out with assessments is sometimes people think that that's all, they can kind of just stay stuck with that, or that's where I am, or I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. So I always say, hmm, let's keep developing. Let's keep right. And you're they right. adjust according to where you are in your life. Yeah. The disc assessment I took five years ago is not who I am now. Yeah, so you, yeah. That's what's fascinating. It's a really cool thing to take here and there to say, and honestly, I'm going to say, Tony Robbins on his site used to be able to take it for free. I don't know if that's still the case, but it's just fascinating to see where you are. You know, I'm a DI, a dominant and a dominant influencer, essentially. So, like, yeah, and again, things adjust according to where you are in your life. Yeah. They do. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, we're just going to take a quick moment and take a break, and then we're going to continue the group discussion. Hi, everybody, and welcome back into the episode of the Victory Business Series. Uh, during our break, uh, it was uh, pretty pretty lively in here. We were talking about a number of different things, and I think there was a lot of uh, side discussion. Would anybody like to share uh, some of the conversation that they were having? I, again, I heard some great things 
happening? Would anybody like to volunteer? I, I was talking about like one of the things that causes me frustration is the fact that um, I, I in my business, <clears throat> I don't have long-term relationships. I'm not typically dealing with a, a client for a number of years. So it, literally in my business, I'm dealing with that person for a matter of days, uh, maybe maybe two months. And um, being a, having the ability then to go out and put the same practices or patterns into place that attracted that person to use my services, I, I'm on a quicker schedule where I, I'm constantly having to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, it causes a lot of frustration because um, you have to know what your balance between developing new clients, serving the ones you have, and also maintaining the level of service that you're trying to provide to people. Uh, it's, a, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. And if you get too focused in one of these three areas that we've talked about, you can lose sight or you can get into a rut and not be able to make decisions that are going to keep your business fluid and moving forward. Mm -hmm. So it was that was one of the things that struck me and I was having a side conversation about was the length does the length of the relationship you're developing with your clients um, have a tendency to go cause you to go through these processes a little bit quicker or, or more often? Mm -hmm. I can add that. What, what, what we talked about was because he has a short <clears throat> window of time, is maybe to be to let the heart just be wide open from the start. Just go right in and just fall in love with them, and they fall in love. But knowing that it's, it's only, so it's like a dating, it's speed dating. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, you look at it, so you're together, but you want, but it's genuine. You want to share, and, but at the same time, you know that it's not going to, but so I call it like dropping breadcrumbs for a bird, is you want that relationship built, so they say, oh, that's, I like, he was a good guy. Give him a call. He's very sincere, very open, genuine. That's, that's what I think is the most critical piece in any business, and that's what was lost for a long time. Beginning to see it back. That's why people go to things that are nostalgic, things that are sincere, or they remember it the way it used to be, or you know the the, the car place is honest. They're just good people. I love that. I mean, that to me is all heart right there. Uh, but that's what we were talking about. How do we work through that? To me, listen, there's always a way. I've I've been as an entrepreneur in 25. I've seen it all. We've all had right. It's like there's always a way. May not be the right way, but right now there is always a way. <laughs> To kind of help address Matt's yeah. situation, I think uh, all, I think the relationship, the length of relationship shouldn't matter. Good point. I think as long as you're servicing your client and doing the best of your ability to make their experience the best it can, can be, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter the length. Whether you go to the grocery store and the cashier is texting somebody and not bringing up your stuff. That's a very brief period mm -hmm. that will probably be a bad experience that will stick in your mind forever. Mm -hmm. Not everything is a lengthy relationship like the one Denise has with the Victory Bank. Some of them are very short-lived, mm -hmm. and they'll remember that, and you'll still refer them. Uh, but I think to help you kind of uh, understand that, Matt, as long as you know that going into it, right. that it's a short-term relationship, so to, so to speak, I think you could probably understand that, that cycle better. And to touch on that, I believe in, in business, no matter what your business is, I touch on my why, not my how. 
as far as why I provide what I do to you, uh, for you, um, why I'm doing what I do, why I'm passionate about it. But social media has helped us do that. And again, that's the emotional intellect. Is that what we... Yeah, emotional intelligence. Uh, emotional intelligence. Literally, by po um, posting things on Facebook, showing people what you're passionate about, connecting with them, emotional intelligence, social media allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. That is your why. That is your, mm -hmm. your connect, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I think as uh, small business owners, we're, we're all kind of in tune with why somebody will call us instead of a competitor that might be a larger corporation. And being in tune with what our customer is looking for, they want that person with the heart. Mm -hmm. Somebody is going to care about the service that they're providing. Otherwise, they could have called maybe a larger competitor that might have saved them a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to calling you because they're, they're hoping that, one, they want to support community. I think people that call small businesses have that small business mentality and they're, they're getting the feeling that they're going to have a personal touch. Yes. And um, if you're one of those person that, you know, if you're a small business owner, it only leads with your head, you're, you're missing the boat there. You're, you're not, probably not you're even in the boat. Yeah, you're right. out of the boat. Mm -hmm. So but, I have yeah. another question for you, Denise. So you have... I'm thinking you may have the most employees of anybody here, right? So is there a way that you're going to incorporate this with your staff or a way to either te either show them or teach them directly or maybe change your thought pattern a little bit and they learn it from you? I, I, think, I think what, you know, some of what we've gone over today just sort of confirmed and made me feel pretty good about what we're doing w within our organization because we are a small company that meets every Tuesday morning and we bounce ideas off of each other. And I, I think that, you know, James and I have found that when people are part of the solution and part of the business, they represent you so much better out there because they bought into the solutions. Um, and I think another thing that, you know, I learned this morning was how much, how, how different my husband and I are in our leadership mm -hmm. because I'm a heart person and he's more of a head and gut person and I, I think it's good that we can compliment each other. It That's makes right. for some evening debates <laughs> when we're home at dinner. <laughs> but, you know, all in all, it, it, it works out as a good balance for us. Cool. Yeah, we, were, we were talking, uh, my, my issue is we went from, uh, we're a small corp corporation my father at the head and the pecking order and of course then when my father retired he uh, basically gave equal shares to my brother and I and we're button heads constantly on decision making and different things um, and of course you can get into heated decisions but also he he has a tendency to even though he's younger he talks down to you mm. and there's uh, and when you know, and when stuff like that happens, I guess maybe I'm, I get a little bit more emotional that it's, you just kind of either, you take it, you, you close down or you just snap back mm -hmm. instead of, and you, and you don't want to make decisions on it when you're doing that either. So there's, uh, you know, you, you come, you think about what was, what was said, what comes, what comes back and then you make your decisions afterwards. But it, it that's that's tough getting the you know you, it's w one thing having a part partner partner uh, and in a proprietorship, but when it's family oh. and it affects so many other aspects, 
whether it's my parents, they don't want to see us fight. My bro brother, he's got a different a uh, attitude, and I'm sure he brings stuff home, and I bring stuff home, and my, half the time my wife wants to kill me on s certain things like that. <laughs> I think the, it, it, the communication is such a large part of it, right? Yeah. So, you know, in, in that particular case, he may, may be making a statement, but he might not be realizing how you are perceiving it. Right. So for him, he might need to be informed, or whoever is making a statement needs to be informed that it's coming off this way. I can speak from personal experience talking with my wife, who has dutifully you know, reminded me that um, things that I say sometimes don't come off the way that I necessarily intend them. And we, we've had these different kind of checkpoints along the way where she would communicate to me that she's like, do you, do you see how you just said that? She's like, it sounded this way. And I had to take a step back for a second and kind of run through my head why I said what I said in the way that I said it. So she has a little bit better understanding of where I was coming from, not that it was right or wrong, but then I also can hear it from her end too because when I'm saying it, I'm thinking it's right, I'm thinking it sounds perfect and I'm getting my point across the way I want to get it across but that's not necessarily my intention because I never want to I never want to hurt her or you know make her feel you know emotionally whatever but um, you know have to be mindful of that and that's that emotional intelligence and that exchange of knowing yourself but then also knowing the person that you're speaking with too I'm, the, I'm that way because it's even uh, I'm better now than I was a couple years ago. But uh, st standing up in front of people, talking to people, communicating, I still have, you know, my thing is when I when I get upset or when I get uncomfortable, I start speaking quicker, and then it's like my mouth gets ahead of my brain, um, especially when it comes to something emotional. And I think a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're if you you come come down even keeled, get your th thoughts together and then come through it. Uh, it comes off better. Uh, I I know like uh, like Denise, we have a meeting every uh, Wednesday at at, at ten o'clock, and a lot of times it's like we go over the same stuff over and over again. And yeah, things I'd say seventy to eighty percent stuff gets accomplished. The other 20 or 30 but then you're still going back and then then there's really nothing else to do but if there's vehicles on the lift you need to take care of that stuff first mm -hmm. I know you have to make time but there's sometimes it's like you need to take care of the business first and then mm -hmm. and then then deal with the the meeting and issues of the day or the week or the month mm -hmm. anybody else I, I was just going to make an observation that maybe one of the issues that you could speak to your brother about is what. So sometimes people get confrontational and argumentative when they're scared, um, and it's mm. this it's it's that person's reaction to the fear, mm. and and maybe one of the conversations you can have with him when you're relaxed is to find out what he's scared of or what, what is bothering him, making him fearful, mm. and that might give you more insight into how you can help him. Um, get over some of that stuff and work together with him to uh, calm his fears or his concerns about what's going on in the business. True. Thank you. No, yeah, that's, great that's point. true. Mm -hmm. So, Rich, it seems like uh, your presentation here has turned uh, you know some some people loose on their thought process and. Sure. Well, let me if I can um, let me add to that conflict and conflict avoidance. 
segue into that's a very good point. This is where the head, heart, and gut. We are in a site where either conflict, avoidance, we don't want any conflict at any cost. Or we like conflict, right? We'll conflict with everybody. Everybody's got a problem, I got a problem with you. Right? Really? And so what happens is there's an art in conflict. And I think using the head, heart, and gut, there's a time to be logical with and say, this doesn't make any sense. All you do is keep coming at me the same way, the same thing. Or the, the heart-driven person is conflict avoidance. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm afraid. I know. And so that you need to have that balance. There's a time to be conflict in a constructive way. And I probably coach 50% of my time is on how to deal with conflict in, in teams, in business, in leaders. It's like, we have con- there's always conflict. So I say, well, there's always going to be conflict. I said, there's a stone in our shoe all the time. You get one out, you walk, you get another one. How did that get there? Well, there it is again. There's always a problem gets another problem. And so that's just the way it is. And some things you said, they'll never change. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I, I'm making laugh at it because I was like, I can't change it. It will never change. That's, and we bring it on, we laugh. Say, oh, that's that thing you talk about. Well, that will never change. And that's okay. Because if we put the energy on that, that won't change. Now, do we know it's not going to change? I still believe anything can change, and maybe it will take care of itself. So here's, here's an analogy or metaphor I use with clients. There's a, there's a shelf. Oh, look at these vases. Here's, well, if it vase. And on the shelf was beautiful vases, bottles, whatever you're going to call them. And you have these different conflicts or different issues you're dealing with. And you put it in that. They're genies. You take the bottles down and you put it in. So when you're ready to deal with a particular issue, a conflict, you pull one down. You open it up. One of three things is going to happen. You look in and say, I'm not ready. Back up. See you later. All right. You open it up. <coughs> it's not there. Where'd it go? It's never was. It never was anything. It just left. The genie says there's no home here. So whatever you give a home to, it will become to you. The other thing is you open up and say, I'm ready to deal with this. I could work with this now. I'm going to use a head, heart, and gut, and I, I'm going to kind of work with this. This is something I can work with right now. But to me, you're compartmentalizing. I've seen all of us do is that we're in a world now where things are so complex. There's so many things we got always. You've got to compartmentalize when to compartmentalize. If we don't, we're overwhelmed. And I think that sounds negative. Well, I'm a, I can handle. No, you can't. We, I don't want to handle it. I'm not a juggler. I can't juggle so many things. And I get this with a lot of high performers in business. They mean well, and I, I'm a recovering one myself. Years. I had, so this is my own journey. Is that I could do it all? No, you can't. You don't want to do it all. Why would you do it all? Know when to give it to somebody else, but know when you need to step in. But also know that as a high performer, you've got to let go and let the process work and kind of come in. But you got to know when to step in, when to step in. I've seen too many entrepreneurs, they get fat and sassy and, oh, the business, let it take care of itself. Well, wow. You get to that point, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Or if you get to the other point where everything's a fire, you're in trouble. So I call it the magic in the middle. You gotta find the magic in the middle. Somebody said a spectrum, or I think it was Warren, there's a spectrum. You gotta be you gotta know your box you're moving in, and you can compartmentalize those issues and put them on the shelf, take them down when you're ready, and you can work on them. Some of them will never be taken. You say, I'm just gonna leave it there. It's just left there forever. Till you're ready to deal with it. And you may never deal with it. There's certain things in life I'll never change. I can't. And I I've either accepted it or um it's just not mine to take care of. I mean, I don't know what you put. So it's all about perspective. How we look at things and how we don't look at things is very key. 
And so with coaching, as I use that, it's so, because we're so close to things sometimes is that we can't take a step back. And that's why I said you've got to use the head, heart, and gut to use that kind of the flow and work and with that. And it's a, it's a powerful tool. It's helped me and it continues to help me. But I would say the, the metaphor of the shelf and, you, and visualize that. And it's very powerful with people. So great question. So maybe what you need to do is put some of your brother's things on the t- and tell him, put some of my stuff on the, at a bottom, put on the shelf. There's things we'll never get worth of. Yeah. I had a brother. We fired him out of a business with our parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't go too well. Well, when he got engaged and then he was like, well, my future wife said it's I can't work on Saturday. We had a restaurant. No, bro. Ain't going to work like that. It ain't going to Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I know I'm not perfect. He meant well, it's but... Like, but yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. It's like when there's other people that are swaying your decisions, and even with him, he's, there's been times that he's like, well, I have to take it home. Well, he's taking it home so he can, his wife can look at it and then, yeah. then and go from it piece by piece, whether it's to explain it to him or put her input into yeah, it. Yeah, you have all the dynamics. Everybody takes things home. We so. take things from home to work and from work to home. How do we balance, right? It's always a balance, always that ebb and flow. And that's life. We're living this now. There's no, to me, is we're always on and we're off. But to me, it's always on. We're always in connected, but we're overconnected. You need to unplug and replug, reframe, relook, all those different words, reconnect. But you got to connect to reconnect. Yeah, but that's easier said than done. Always, it always is. There's sure. the friction, there's the conflict, right? That's what we live in. So to me, it's a mindful, what he said. But it's also using the head, heart, and gut saying, what is my heart saying in this situation? I've got to, and if the heart says, you know what, you're too emotionally connected, step back. If the gut says it's time to pull action, pull it. If the head says, dude, this is no logic here. Just don't fight this. You're not going to win. It's not worth it. And I just say, okay. <laughs> no, it's easier said than done. But that's the kind of rhythm. It's just inward, what I call this inside talk. We hear about external and we always read things, but what do we know? We are very powerful inside. How can we help? And we have a lot of information that we can help ourselves. So this is more of empowerment. This is a head. I'm empowering me so that I can help others, but I need to work me. And that's what this is. So what else? Anybody? I'm excited just talking about it. Right? I get to come out of the closet right? with it. Bill's been the guinea pig and other clients. But wow, okay. I'm hitting pig, the real. Yeah. The, this, this is the rubber is hitting the road now. <laughs> Does uh, anybody have anything else for uh, the good of the group before we end the podcast here? I just want to say thank I, I love the input. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate it. That awesome. helps me out. You know, it does. It's like especially talking about it. And well, sure. Just talking about it gets it on the table and makes us look at it. So half the battle is just talking about it. And I think just the fact that the attendees are here, to be honest with you, oh, means absolutely. that you individually want to make a difference, not only for yourself, but the people around you, too. So it says a lot about your character. Uh, so thank you again for attending. Thank, thank you. you. Sure. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Victory Business Series. For those who want to get in touch with Rich Laboon, and I will put these in the show notes, uh, you can reach Rich at www. Do we even say www anymore? Uh, is that no, a, I do. It's on is that a thing? RichardLaboon.com. That's R-I-C-H-A-R-D-L-E-B-O-O-N.com. Looking forward to having you tune in to our next Victory Business Series podcast. And until we meet again, bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Victory Business Series podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you would like to attend a future business series presentation, please drop us a note at rsvp at victorybank.com. We will add you to our mailing list and notify you of upcoming seminars. If you would like to be considered to present at the Victory Bank Business Series, please email rsvp at victorybank.com. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to be notified of new episodes. The Victory Bank. Fulfill your dreams. Member FDIC.